And we are here on this lovely Friday the 13th to talk about the Lord of the Dreadfort himself, Roos Bolton. Today I decided to try uh, something a little bit different. We're going to be just doing a straight list construction here. Uh, 40 points, and the theme of this list is going to be panic. Panic and more panic. We've talked about this briefly in the past that you can make a really nasty Lannister panic list. But I feel that the best one is one that incorporates in Roos and some of his effects. There are going to be, if you want to stay pure, you can go full Lannister with this. But this one was kind of a, um, a mixed approach at it, where I'm hitting both the defensive strides that Panic is going to allow you to do, and the offensive side of things as well. Uh, let's go ahead and just look at the list here, and we will get right into what I mean. So starting off, we're going to have our commander, who is going to be Roos Bolton, Lord of the Dreadfort. He has the Horrific Rumors ability, which is when Roos claims a zone on the tactics board. You may replace that zone's effect with up to two enemy combat units become panicked. This is going to become the staple of our little panic-inducing engine here. And uh, as I mentioned previously, he is going to be commanding a Lannister army. So it's going to be using the generic Lannister tactics cards along with Roos's three specific commander cards. Uh, I didn't list the Lannister tactics cards in the attached document. I will go over those very briefly, but I do want to focus on his commander-specific cards first. So the first one we have is A Flayed Man Has No Secrets. Start of any turn, expend a panic token from an enemy unit, look at one opponent's hand of tactics cards, and discard one card from it. The Lannisters have a, a big focus on control, and this card just plays right into that. Something you're going to note with most of Roos's effects is that you're going to be expending panic tokens to cause additional effects. So we're going to get as many of those as we can on the battlefield. The one thing about building this list is that it can be very easy to just go, oh, this causes panic, let me just throw it in there. That's going to kind of you know, shoehorn you into one central strategy, which, while it is the central strategy of this list, there are a bunch of other tricks that we've incorporated in here that I think is going to make for a much more balanced approach to handle different armies and different game modes. So moving on, we have Calculated Cruelty, when a panicked enemy activates. Expend a panic token from that enemy, that unit, and its attachments lose all abilities this round. If they're within short range of a House Bolton unit, they also suffer D3 wounds. Again, playing into the control aspect, which the Lannisters are going to help double down on, this one is just going to uh, help you get rid of those nasty threats when they, uh, before they are nasty threats, I should say. It's going to help you on the offense and defense. It's just an all-around you know, good card. Fear keeps a man alive. When an engaged, panicked enemy activates... Expend a panic token from that enemy. That enemy must make a morale test. On a failure, the only action they may take this turn is retreat, and one House Bolton unit they're engaged with may restore up to D3 wounds. Alright, so combining all three of these cards here, you're going to say that Roos has a lot of control aspects if you're willing to expend those panic tokens. Those are going to play in very well with the generic Lannister cards we have, which again I'm going to go over right quick here, but I don't really want to dwell on too much. Intrigue and Subterfuge, when an enemy non-combat unit activates, that NCU loses all abilities until the end of the round. If you control the crown, one opponent must also randomly discard one tactics cards. Uh, paying attention, we are going to be trying to claim the crown spot as much as we can with this list because it is going to be central to the Lannister strategy. Also, the effect that it causes creates a panic test at a minus one. So, in general, it's going to be useful since we're going to be doling out panic tokens left and right. Uh, as far as the non-combat uh, aspect of this list and the tactics board, that is probably going to be the most important aspect of playing this army. So you're going to want to claim the crown and the tactic zone to draw additional tactics cards. 
and to place a condition token, guess which one it's going to be? It's going to be Panic, on an enemy unit. The others are nice. We're definitely going to have a strong tactics board uh, presence with this list, but those are the two areas to focus on. A Lannister pays his debts. When a friendly unit is destroyed, one enemy becomes panicked and one enemy becomes vulnerable. If you control the wealth space, uh, also return one other discarded tactics cards to your hand. Nice, but again, this is throwing out panicked, so it's going to help you out uh, even further. Hear me roar. When an enemy unit makes a panic test, that enemy suffers minus one to their roll and an additional minus one for each destroyed rank. If you control the crown, they also become panicked. Panic, panic, more panic. Good. Paid mutiny. When enemy combat unit activates, that unit must make a morale test, or it's a, sorry, must pass a morale test, or its attachments lose all abilities until the end of the round, and that unit suffers D3 wounds. If you control the wealth zone, they suffer minus two to their roll, and if they fail, suffer three wounds instead of rolling. This one's nice. I mean, it's going to cause morale test, which again we can use panic to help with. This one though is doubling down on one of Roos's cards that he has already that we can guarantee is going to happen. But this one is just a nice backup in case you really need to stop something. Counterplot. When an opponent plays a tactics card, roll a die on a 3+, plus, cancel the effect of that tactics card. If you control crown, you may reroll this die. This is just one of those staple Lannister cards that's just key to their overall playstyle of just canceling stuff when you don't want it to go off. And again, it controls the crown, so that is exactly what we, uh, what we need. Fealty to the crown. When enemy fails a panic test. For each model removed by this test, restore one wound to a friendly infantry unit in the short range of that enemy. If you control the crown, that unit lose, uh, may restore up to two additional wounds. So this one right here is going to be very, very helpful for us, namely for the fact that half of our army does not really uh, have a lot of staying power in the fact that we have Bolton Cutthroats. So this is going to help restore additional wounds. Also, the other half of our army are Lannister Guards, which are going to become just much more of a pain in the ass if we start healing them. I know I'm getting a little ahead of myself talking about the units, but just note this is one of the key cards that uh, is going to help our engine run as well. Wealth of the Rock. Um, when you're attacked, you get plus one to your defense saves. This one here, it's nice, but it doesn't really fit too much into our strategy. Of the generic Lannister cards, that is the only one that is not really helping to placate into what we're doing here. Um, it's still a nice general card, it's just the odd man out in here. Alright, so earlier I spoke about the tactics board presence of this list and its importance, and that is because this list is actually running three NCUs, counting your uh, Commander Roos. The other two that we're running are Cersei Lannister, uh, who has the No Confidence ability. It's an influence effect. While she is influencing unit, that unit suffers minus two to morale test rolls. So, you know, Panic and things like Fealty to the Crown, um, any of those, minus two. Uh, seeing as how we're going to throw up Panicked as well, and we've got a fair amount of Vicious in the army, you can really stack some negatives onto a unit and potentially give them upwards of a negative four and force them to reroll any dice you want. That's before you take into Tactics cards into consideration. So, you know, the average morale in the game is 7, which means that, theoretically, if you stacked, uh, you know, 8, 10 points worth of NCUs and effects on a unit, you could potentially get them to roll 0 and have 7 models run away from a failed panic test. I would never actually bank on that, and again, the points uh, investment to make that happen is, eh, it's semi-worth it, but she's definitely playing into our strategy. She is an auto-include in this type of list. The next one here is Pycelle, uh, with his Manipulation and Deception ability. When Pycelle claims his own on the tactics board, one enemy combat unit becomes weakened. Uh, so when I was making this list, initially I had Littlefinger in here because I wanted some more tactics control. Uh, he got removed just because I 
for a couple reasons. One, I needed to free a point up somewhere, and Vicel is one point cheaper. But also because further looking at the list, the guards really like um, having enemy units become weakened because they can usually soak a few attacks. The Bolton Cutthroats, which make up the uh, offensive side of our list, really don't have the best staying power in the world, so having an effect that helps keep them alive is doubly beneficial. So Pycelle is cheap, and he allows us to throw down the weekend condition to further protect our guys. Uh, it's an overall a very good investment for the list, for the, uh, the price. There's also a combo later, which we'll talk about, that I really like using him for. So those are the NCU approaches in the list. Let's take a look at the units that we have. For this list, I have included one unit of Lannister Guards with a Dreadfort Captain. So the Lannister Guards have Lannister Supremacy, which is if this unit is attacked and passes its panic test, the attacker must make a panic test with a minus two to their roll. That is going to, again, play into our whole panic list where you, when you attack a unit, you're going to probably cause at least one wound with the Lannister Guardsmen, even though their attack is absolute garbage. You're probably going to cause at least one wound and force a panic test capitalize on that. Uh, I want you to understand that with these guys, you're never going to kill anyone just straight up attacking them. It's always going to be via your panic test uh, effects, so focus on that. The Dreadfort Captain, with his spread fear ability, says, each time an enemy engaged with this unit fails a panic test, one other enemy within long range of that unit becomes panicked. He's a fantastic addition to stick in with the Guardsmen because they effectively, per round, are going to have, on average, two chances to trigger that effect. Once when they attack and potentially cause the enemy to fail a panic test. And two, when you're attacked and you pass your uh, morale test and you trigger Lannister Supremacy. Uh, I would ideally love to have some effects that's going to boost their morale a little bit because their, uh, their morale save is a 7+, plus, so you can't really rely on it. I was going to consider putting some guard captains in here, but... Uh, frankly, I'm playing a little risky, so I'm going for more of an offensive approach. If you prefer a little bit more defense and really want to make sure that Lannister Supremacy triggers, then feel free to replace the Dreadfort Captain with um, Guard Captains instead, since he has the ability to just kill a guy and you instantly pass your test. That's a little more reliable. This one here has the potential to help your overall engine, though, so it's really personal preference which one of those you want to run. Uh, the next unit I have is a vanilla unit of Lannister Guards at 5 points. The reason that was included in there, I would love to stick an attachment in there, but points were getting a little crunched. Uh, to be honest, it's because I really went character heavy with this list. Uh, there's Tyrion, there's Ramsay. Uh, well, okay, sure, that's only two. But they're still fairly expensive ones at 3 points each. You definitely could have shaved some points off if you had downgraded one of those to a one-point attachment. That would have also freed up another point to upgrade Pycelle to Littlefinger or Varus if you so chose. Or, um, you know, another four-point NCU option. Those are just some different lists you could have ran, but um, I decided to try this one out. It's a little expensive for my taste, but we'll see what happens. Uh, the last unit of Lannister Guards that I have is equipped with Ramsay Snow, who also comes with Theon Greyjoy. So Ramsay Snow has the affiliation House Bolton ability, which is the unit counts as House Bolton, which means that it's going to trigger uh, Roos's effects. They also have the Cut Them Down ability, though, which is when an enemy engaged with this unit fails a panic test, they suffer two additional wounds. Again, stacking that on the Lannister Guardsmen, that is going to effectively give you a Vicious with your attacks, but it is also going to allow you to cost two additional wounds with Lannister Supremacy. So that is a, a double-down effect that is just fantastic for the Lannister Guardsmen. Uh, Ramsay Snow is one of my favorite things to stick on them. 
He also comes with Theon Greyjoy, as we mentioned, which who has the order set an example. When this unit activates, one enemy within long range becomes panicked. Then you roll die, and the five plus you kill Theon. So, yeah, okay, one third of the time you're going to kill the guy, and you're not going to get the effect of that for the rest of the game. But, hey, it's a risk-reward system, and frankly, again, we want to stick out panic as much as we can. It helps the guardsmen, it helps your overall list, so, you know, just run with it. Uh, next up, we are going to have a unit of Bolton Cutthroats with Tyrion. So, sticking Tyrion in here, uh, in this melee unit, first off, the Bolton Cutthroats, they have Vicious Baseline, so it's going to cause minus two to panic test. They also have, if this unit targets an enemy that's not activated this round, that enemy becomes vulnerable. So you're throwing eight dice, six dice, all the way down to four. Um, but you're hitting on three plus and potentially making them reroll their defense saves. This is nice because um, one thing that this list does have issues with is units that have a uh, high defense value. Like Tully Sworn Shields are kind of a pain in the ass for this list to deal with, with three plus save and their six plus morale. You can bypass the six plus morale, but even at you know their worst, they're ever gonna only lose six guys from it. That's if you're forcing them to you know roll zeros, which you are sticking a lot of resources to make that ever happen. So that can be a big problem for the list. The Bolton Cutthroats sticking out vulnerable, uh, they do help mitigate that a bit. They're joined by Tyrion Lannister though, who has adaptive planning, which is while this unit is engaged, it makes uh, you may expend condition token on an enemy engage this unit as if it were any other condition token. So this means that when they make an enemy vulnerable, you can instead choose to uh, make them panicked instead. If you if they roll badly enough, you can just leave that token on them, and then when they attack you, you say, okay, I'm going to expend this, and now they're weakened instead. This also combos very well with Pycelle because he's going to throw out a weakened token, which then Tyrion can then change into whatever he really needs it to be. Uh, that's, you know, just a nice little combo there, and one that can really surprise a lot of opponents, and one that should not be ignored. Uh, the other uh, order that Tyrion has would be counter strategy. When enemy engaged with this unit uses an order or is targeted by a tactics card, roll a die on a 3+, cancel that order slash tactics card. Thing about this, guys, yes, it's going to uh, pass 66% of the time. Don't rely on it, though. This is just kind of a little cherry on top, like when it goes off, it goes off. That's great. And yes, it has a decent probability of going off. But don't, don't you know, rely on it, okay? The main reason I want to have Tyrion in this list is for his adaptive planning ability with the Bolton Cutthroats. The other thing to note, though, is that you are sticking Tyrion in a fairly fragile unit uh, with those Bolton Cutthroats. So you've got to be very sure that they are not going to just get wailed on and completely killed. Because effectively, you have made an 8-point unit, and you're going to have to protect them a bit. So feel free to heal them up, you know, save some of the cards you have that are going to help them out, and, you know, uh, keep that going. We have one more unit of uh, House Bolton Cutthroats, and with them I've stuck an Assault Veteran. So the Assault Veteran has the Hold the Line ability. Uh, if you begin your turn engaged, you get plus one to hit, and roll plus two additional combat dice. Combat dice, attack dice, whatever you want to call. <laughs> so I like him with the Bolton Cutthroats because they are an offensive unit. If you begin your turn engaged, which you probably are, they're going to be hitting on a 2+. plus. They are going to be rolling plus 2 dice, which potentially sticks them up to 10 dice. And, you know, that's before you're triggering any of the other effects you have. If you're going first in the round, and you have started your turn engaged, then 
that is a fantastic scenario for you because the Bolton Cutthroats are then going to be throwing down upwards of 10 dice, hitting on twos, making the defender vulnerable, and hitting them with Vicious. The damage output of that unit is absolutely just insane at that point. To the point where I actually did consider dropping Tyrion altogether and just sticking another Assault Veteran in with the uh, Bolton Cutthroats and then having points left over. Uh, I still don't know which one of those is the better answer. I really like the adaptive planning uh, synergies with Tyrion, and yeah, the counter strategy is nice as well. But as I mentioned earlier, it does make them an 8-point unit and makes them fairly expensive. So the other option is to drop Tyrion and put in a uh, Assault Veteran. Then you've got two points floating around somewhere that you can uh, utilize. I don't know exactly where those two points would go. Um, probably taking Pycelle and making him into Littlefinger or Varus, depending on your flavor of control. And then you'd have one point left over for the Lannister Guardsmen to stick something in there. Probably going to be a guard captain in with them, just to uh, help them out. Although you could stick an Assault Veteran, but frankly, I'm not a huge fan of Assault Veterans in with Lannister Guardsmen. Yeah, it's going to up their combat capabilities, but I would much rather have them, especially in this list, triggering Lannister Supremacy more often via the use of the guard captain. So that is my 40 points. Uh, that we are looking into this list today. General strategies with it to keep in mind. So you have a big offensive section of your list with your uh, House Bolton Cutthroats. You have a defensive section of your list with your Lannister Guardsmen. There's a fairly stark line in the middle of what the roles for each of these units is. And it's also going to depend on the game mode you are playing. If you're playing a Game of Thrones where it's going to be objective and area control, the Lannister Guardsmen are going to be your MVPs for that game because you're going to sit on objectives, hold them, make the enemy come to you, and then you'll punish them via a bunch of panic effects. Meanwhile, the Boltons should probably be working on getting flanks or going and attacking the enemy on the objectives they control. But frankly, I would play that list a little more defensively in that game mode. One of the nice things about this list overall is very adaptive to what the opponent is doing. If you need to go on the offense, if they're playing you know, a defensive list or say you're mirror matching some Lannisters, you have the option to do that with your Bolton Cutthroats. And actually because you have so many panic effects, you can kind of ramrod your way through another Lannister list, assuming that they are playing Lannister Guardsmen and going defensive style, like if you're playing against Jaime for example. If they're playing an aggression, uh, sorry, aggressive variant with say Gregor Clegane and the Mountain, they're gonna come running at you uh, your guardsmen should hopefully be able to withstand that, uh, and then you're just going to have to really hit them hard on the counterattack. So that list, particularly a Lannister list that is led by the Mountain, that might be the the hardest list for this one to deal with, with the pool, uh, the unit pool and selection that's going to be available on release, just because they're going to have more offenses than you, and they're going to have the same Lannister tricks that you do. So really, it's going to come to be a matter of just outsmarting them and who's going to play better because you both have some really nasty stuff you can do different flavors but they're going to have a slight edge I think on the tools that are capable of taking you down just because they're going to be able to pierce right through your armor and your armor is on the Boltons it's basically non-existent and the Guardsmen it's going to hit average and you don't really want to do that because that's taking away their one advantage um, so be wary of that the Starks, meanwhile, yeah, they're as aggressive as a, uh, a mountain-led Lannister list, but they're not going to have so many nasty tricks. You kind of expect what they're going to do. They're going to come at you and hit you in combat. So, you know, okay, yeah, that's great. But you can kind of expect a lot of what they're doing. Meanwhile, again, uh, a mountain list, uh, a mountain Lannister list is going to have a lot of kind of low cunning that it can bring at you as well. So uh, similar threats, but I would actually be worried about the, uh, the low cunning with the mountain there.
uh, playing other game modes, uh, Feast for Crows is a mixed blessing because that one is all about causing panic tests and really punishing the enemy for failing them. You can rack up a huge number of points because you're going to be throwing those out left and right. The trade-off, though, is that your army is also very susceptible to the same thing you're trying to do. So really, in that case, it becomes a matter of just throwing out more effects than uh, the game mode is going to dish back at you. Because you're probably not going to have to worry too much about your opponent, you know, uh, dealing you a lot of panic-inducing effects, unless you're, like, in a mirror match with a similar list. So in that case, you're just going to have to be faster than the game. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to pay attention to your opponent, but really that game mode is the one that's working against you. But you can also capitalize it to your advantage because, you know, throwing down corpse piles is going to cause further negatives for your opponent for all those delicious panic tests you're going to do. Storm of Swords is your, uh, you know, your kill everyone. Oh, sorry, uh, sorry, that's your siege scenario. I always get that one in Clash of Kings reversed. Storm of Swords is going to be your siege scenario. In this one, you are definitely going to want to play as the defenders simply because, well, no, no, you, you want to be the defenders in this case. Uh, I would say, although you are, you're going to be okay if you're going to be the attacker uh, versus some like defensive Lannister list. Like if you're playing Jamie, you always want to be the defender. Here, if you're forced into the role of the attacker, you're not going to be that bad because you actually do have aggressive tendencies here. I would prefer to be the defender though, just because my list is very heavily reliant on Lannister guardsmen, and because the game is a waiting game for the defender, and your just goal is to just survive. I feel you have the tools to do that because. Especially looking at like Roos's tactics cards, he can help stall out effects where, okay, you're going to shut off the, the opponent's offensive abilities via calculated cruelty. Uh, you also have generic Lancer tactics cards which shut off abilities. You have siege defense cards, which I believe there is one that shuts off abilities as well. Don't quote me on that, but I believe there is. Um, you have fear keeps a man alive, so you can force a unit to just make a retreat action instead of attacking you. You have a bunch of effects that can help stall the game off. So I would actually favor being the defender in that one. But again, if you're on the offense, then you still have means of hurting the enemy. And especially because they're going to start with a limited amount of units in play, you can really focus fire the ones that are in play down before their enforcements start arriving from the battlefield. And because your guys do constantly respawn, then that's going to help you as well. The only negative comes from this list is the fact that you are running a number of characters in your units, and if they die, then your unit comes back sans characters versus, you know, um, if you didn't have that. So that's another strike against some of the expensive ones here. But again, that comes down to personal preference because Tyrion and Ramsay do add a lot to this list, uh, especially Ramsay. Uh, Clash of Kings is a little interesting because your commander is an NCU, so you have to declare a attachment on the field to act as his proxy. In this case, I would probably pick Ramsay Snow uh, in with the unit of Lannister Guards, just because they're going to be worth additional victory points, so I'd like to keep them well defended. If you feel a little bit more aggressive, you can make a Tyrion, and then force your opponent to really get up there and engage those uh, House Bolton Cutthroats that's with him, um, and then, you know, force that engagement with your adaptive planning and your counter strategy. It's a little more risky. I mean, sometimes I feel like being a little bit more defensive. This is, again, you're just going to feel out what your opponent is. If they're playing a defensive Lannister list, I would pick Tyrion because I don't really have a problem going and getting engaged. But if they're playing, you know, Starks, especially the more aggressive variety of Starks, say uh, Great John Umber instead of Rob Stark, then I would probably go Ramsey Snow in the Lannister Guards just to give me the extra little defense I need. Um, and then finally, if you're doing Winds of Winter, that's another thing that the adaptability of this list is really going to help you out and come into play. 
because you can complete a myriad of objectives because you've got offensive capabilities, you've got defensive capabilities, you have three NCUs for claiming the NCU-based objectives, so you really have a nice, well-rounded list for taking any of those secret missions, and I think that that game mode is especially going to um, play in your favor because you're so well-rounded, versus an, another list that might be more specialized. Again, going back to having a great John Umber list that you know they're going to come at you and try to kill you, and that's just what they're going to do. Okay, so you know that some of the secret missions are not going to be great for them. If they're playing you know, a Rob Stark list, so they're going to be very mobile, but they're not going to hit as hard as a great John. Okay, you know, you have a general idea of what they're going to go after. Uh, say you're trying to kill Jamie again. He's full defensive, so you know he's probably not going to be choosing a lot of those offensive secret missions. You, meanwhile, have the option to, okay, I can go offensive because I've got these bolt and cutthroats. I can go defensive because I've got Lancer Guardsmen. I've got three NCUs, so any of those that are positioning-based or tactics boards-based, I can manipulate the battlefield and the tactics board enough to really take control of those. So you really have a really solid all-comers list here. Um, so final thoughts on this list. I think I've said about everything there is to say about it. Uh, the important thing is just to really keep your panic engine running. And the tactics board side of the game, I believe, is going to be a lot stronger with this list than the actual um, battlefield role and positioning. And what I mean by that is that knowing when to properly activate your NCUs, knowing what zones to take, and specifically, what zones to block from your opponent is going to be a very key strategy in if this list succeeds or fails. If I'm playing against Starks, I know that they're going to want to take the combat zone. I know they're going to want to take the maneuver zone. Blocking off that combat zone is going to be immensely beneficial for me. And that counterplay is really one of the reasons I wanted Littlefinger in this list is because you can claim the combat zone. You can exchange its effect for the crown. You can activate Cersei, claim the crown after that point, and double down on the effects. That's the reason I wanted him in there, but again, it's a matter of just finding the points for him, and we've talked about ways to actually make that happen. But I feel that proper tactics board manipulation is going to be one of the keys to being successful with this uh, list. Uh, Rufus Bolton, yes, he has the effect to replace any zone's effect with two enemy combat units become panicked. A lot of players I've seen, they just want to always use that effect and never actually use the effect on the tactics zone. Don't be the guy that makes that amateur mistake, okay? You're, you, you're getting an additional option. You're not getting something that you always have to use. Roos, meanwhile, is also another one of those units that's really good for blocking zones that your opponent really wants. So if you're playing a Rob Stark army uh, against a Rob Stark army, you know, use him to claim the maneuver zone and then just panic some guys. That's perfectly fine, but just keep your options open. Overall, though, this list, if you play it, is going to really teach you how to properly use the tactics board and how to properly use the strengths that your NCUs are giving you. So if you want some practice in that area, a list like this is definitely going to help. It's also going to help you appreciate the combat units you have because you are basically sacrificing uh, a combat unit, almost two if your expensive attachments uh, factored in, to gain that additional benefit. Roos is helping mitigating that by being an NCU commander, but still, you are going to be a little light on the battlefield compared to you know what I'd usually feel comfortable with. So this is going to help you really gauge, can I give up this unit? Do I need to heal them? Do I need to retreat? So I feel that this list is actually very good for learning some of the more subtle nuances and mechanics of the game as well. Definitely not the easiest list for beginners though, so um, keep that in mind. Uh, you might have to run this list a few times before you actually get the swing of things. But once you do, this list is actually one of my favorites to run, even though I haven't really refined it too much. Uh, but it is just a, a blast, and this is a tactical masterminds and just a cunning bastards uh, dream list here. So 
have fun with that and really tap into, you know, your, hey, let's go plan a red wedding mindset and have some fun with it. All right, guys, that's it. Uh, talk to me next time and we will come up with a, another list, another tactics look, or maybe something else entirely. Until then, have a good Friday the 13th, guys, and take care.